It's the Noble and Roos Show, brought to you by BallIsLife.com and Dash Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Noble and Roos Show, presented by Ball Is Life and Dash Radio. I'm your host, Roos Williams. I'm with my guy, Zach Noble. And today, we have an incredible guest. Uh, the one and only Mr. LeVar Ball. LeVar, how you doing? Hey, how y'all doing, man? Thanks for having me, man. What's going down? Man, it's all good. It's just a beautiful day out in sunny L.A. Ah, yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, LeVar, man, I was going to say it's been a minute since uh, we've heard from you on a mainstream level, so I just kind of wanted to check in with you, see how well, you're Well, on a mainstream level, on everything, because you got the COVID-19. Who's doing that stuff now? That's what people don't understand. They be like, oh, LeVar, backed up, I ain't heard from you in a while. You know why? Because I'm busy doing other things. I hear you. Like what? Like what? Like getting ready to have some water come out, getting ready to have some rims and tires come out. Got my wife getting better. Got boys about to be in the draft. Tell them about to get in the league. What else? Let's go. We got big ball of water. Is that what we're talking about? Big ball. Oh, Matter of fact, I'm going to have my guy go run out and get one right quick. Hey, man, go get that. I'm going to have it to you in a minute. Plus, you're going to see this. The coldest water out there. Yes, yeah, straight from the Arctic, baby. I love it. Man, it's, it, hey, it's a wine spring water. This bad boy, the coldest. I'm telling you, it make your body feel better. I, I don't even drink water. I'm drinking that, not just because of mine. I don't even know water tastes different. I usually, if it's cold... I go ahead and be like, water's water. You can get mine at the tap. If you put some ice cubes in it, I'm good. But this water's a little smoother, man. And when yes, you come sir. out in these stores, I guarantee folks going to buy it off the shelf. It's the coldest, man. What, what made you want to put out some water? Down, down under in Australia and New Zealand, discovering some water down there? No, no, this no, water no. Just about? because that's a consumable item that everybody needs. So why not get in the water game? I'm probably the only brother that's in it. That's going to own water. A lot of people don't own no water. You do that, you a cold piece of work. Oh, yeah. I look at it like this, man. <laughs> Hey, it's, an, it's a necessity for everybody. So even if you don't like me, you're going to buy some water if you want to survive. Respect. So black-owned water, first man in the game? Yes. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Much respect, man. Much respect. So, and I'm sorry, did I hear you say rims and tires? We're going to have big balls rims and tires are coming out, too. Matter of fact, don't take for long. Look at this, boy. you got to see it to believe it. Ooh. Exclusive. They're not doing that like that. They're not. They're not. I like Come on, that. man. I like my water bottle look like a champagne bottle. Clear. There's <laughs> a better hold to it. See, you can hold yes, it. Yes, sir. Everybody else with a big water bottle. I work out. I drink water. No, big ball of staff. Yes, they can't man. get it like this, man. This that ain't, that ain't some Avion. No, no, Avion. no. It ain't Avion. Right. Ten times better. Trust and believe. I'm trying to let y'all know it's going down. What, what, when and where is this hitting shelves? Man, it's going to be sitting in the shelves within the next month or so. It'll be at your yeah, Albertsons, your Sprouts. And, uh, my guy's doing a couple of other placements he's going to talk to. But it's going to be out there. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's going to be good. I'll make sure when I go to Trader Joe's. Right. Yes, you make sure you get that, baby. You make sure yeah. you get that. You got it. You got it. So you're just expanding this brand every which way and angle you can right now. That, that's, hey, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing, man. Somebody asked me a few years back, man. They said, man, where do you see the big ball of brand? I said, it's the biggest brand ever. And they, they, they chuckle a little bit, like, how's that? Well, I look at it like this. Big ball of brand got apparel. Nike got apparel, but they ain't got no water. Gatorade got liquids, but they ain't got no apparel. What, what, what person on the brand got his own show? We the only ones with that. When I come out with these rims and tires, come on. Why can't it be one of the biggest brands ever? Hey, man, well, to the tune of um – building and expanding the empire 
We got yes. Lonzo in the league. Lonzo's continuing to flourish. I think he's a nice fit with New Orleans. Cool. And now coming up soon um, will be LaMelo's turn. Uh, so hopefully well, he can be, in the legacy. It, this is what people don't understand. It'd be LaMelo and Jello's turn. People must have thought Jello was just sitting on the side not doing nothing. They, they got to understand, this boy is only 21 years old. Act like he's 25. He's 21. And he he bigger and stronger than the other two and shoot better. I was going to so say. how are you not going to get a shot? I was Look, I, I, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to ask you. I was going to say, man, in any other family, uh, Lagella would be, you know, the guy. No questions asked, right? Obviously, right. a very talented bloodline. So, you know, All-State, national champion, I think, in high school. Uh, you know, right. had a UCLA scholarship, hooped overseas, all that. A legit pedigree, right? Um, yes. So I was going to ask you. About Lagello, how has he handled the massive, massive success of the Ball family and his brothers? Um, and what do you think is one of his attributes or traits that is unique to him that you specifically enjoy? Jello can score that ball. Like I said, he's having a great time. And people keep looking at it like he's supposed to be jealous or be like, oh, your brothers made it, you didn't. Jello's thing is to play professional basketball, and it's not like he's not going to do it. Jello stepped out of bounds and did something a little different than the family. And what I mean by that, when you do something negative, sometimes you can't you can't go the same route that the other two have went now, you know. But what was bad for Jello, like I tell people, was good for me. Sometimes you got to take some steps backwards to go forward. What I mean by that, you probably wouldn't even be here interviewing me if I don't snatch my boys out of school, go overseas, make some more contacts, create the JBA, bleed global, send my boys to fifteen different countries. I mean. How do we get to expand the big baller brand without all that? Now, let's just say, rewind a bit. Jello goes to UCLA. Uh, now they got him starting, doing his thing, and they, they get past the Sweet 16 and go to Elite 8 or something better, and he's shooting. He had top, hey, number three pick because he's number three. Lonzo, number two, hey. went number two. Melo's number one, go number one. Jello would have went number three. That's just how it goes down with the ball. Oh, yeah. But if that would have happened now, I don't snatch Melo out of school. I don't worry about making no other money. I don't worry about the brand. I'm like, okay, Melo goes to UCLA, big pick. Now we just leave it at that. We're not even here. But now my eyes is open more things. It's building an empire that's crazy. Now I go do all these other things. And that all happened because of Jello. So, LeVar, you truly don't think any of this is possible if these guys, if you don't go overseas? If they go to college, if, none if, of this is if, possible. If not, not only do I go overseas, but I create a different mindset now. Because now I'm not thinking about, okay, just get my boys to the league and that's it. Now I'm thinking about us as a culture, us as a, a family, not only that, as a, as a race. Like, man, we got to know our self-worth. We cannot keep doing all this playing and jumping and running, and we don't own anything. So all you can be is is – you, you don't, you're not knowing your self-worth. So if you're not thinking about owning nothing, guess what? Don't expect to be wealthy Listen. for generations to come. You're not. I have like, to. I'll tell you this, too. Like, people keep saying, oh, your boy something. My boys, whoever they sign with, they'll never become billionaires signing with them. The only person they can become billionaires with is Big Baller Brand. Why? Because you own that. Like I said, these other players, they never own nothing, so you only can get to $400 million. 500 million. You're never going to be a billionaire. Billionaires own things. Yeah. People only think something's crazy until it's successful, right? Right. Right. Once it's successful, everybody's on board. But until that moment, you look, you know, not you specifically, but whoever the pioneer is always looks 
you know, out of line, a little out of whack until it starts working. And then everybody's on board. So I, I got a ton of respect for what you do. I, I wish you the best. I hope it keeps going. You know, I, I think. Thank that, you, man. Much love. Much love. Yeah, I, I think LaMelo is the extension of it. So, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about LaMelo. What do you think? Mm-hmm. What is your outlook for him in the NBA? Maybe comparison, ceiling, team fits, all that. Like, what do you, what do you expect out of LaMelo Ball in the NBA? Um, okay. Everything comes full circle, man, when you get that, that one player that's crazy. My thing is, Melo going to do his thing. And just like you had the Michael Jordan, not everybody going to be like the next best next best thing and the next biggest thing is going to be LaMelo Ball. Because he's the youngest, and he, he bridges that gap with the culture, with the youngsters. And also very talented. And we're in a new era now, which is the social media. Like Melo coming into the game with already, you know, five or six million followers, already with his own brand. So guess what? Puma got to come at him differently. They got to make him the dude. You can't just be like, oh, okay, like these other players we got. They got a lot of other players for him, but they don't – they're not that one like Melo. Why? Because Melo already had his own brand, his own shoe. So you can't come in and say, hey, where's some of these shoes? He's expecting a signature shoe early, you know. So so you're looking at him. But if he's not with the big baller brand and he's a local guy, what I mean by local is staying in the United States. Melo been in 15 different countries. He's global before they even mention him. But that's what I'm saying with the social media Absolutely. and the fact the road that he's taken is created him to be a bigger than anybody that's over here in the U.S. So you think he'd be bigger doing what he's done so far than if he had gone the typical route, played D1, UCLA, something well, like that? Well, if he'd gone the typical route, tell me this. Are you on your own show? Do you have your own signature shoe? Do you get to go overseas and be global? No. Melo is, is, is something that's special on the fact that with this media and the things that, that allows him to step out of bounds and not follow the same route that everybody's been doing, allows him to be that you know, that, that so-called mystery guy, but he's good. He got super talented, not playing D1, but in my JBA league, when I started that, Melo was 16 playing against guys that's 21 years old. But the fact that Absolutely. people are like, oh, it's a JBA and it's not that good league, man, who cares? These guys are five and six years older than him, Angelo. And he's getting that experience, go overseas. So I allowed him to grow and to develop. People say, oh, Melo passed the ball, shoot the ball. He does all the stuff that you can't teach. Who the hell you think taught him? Fair. So that's how it is. So, LeVar, look at – Looking at this draft coming up, I mean, what sort of situation um, is going to be the best fit for LaMelo? I know he probably can play in any situation. I truly believe in his ability that much. But best case scenario for him to optimize his abilities, what do you see fits? The best, the best fit is uh, uh, anywhere a coach is going to let him do his thing. Any coach that believes in him, that's, that's what's going to be the best fit, whether it be uh, – Detroit, New York, Minnesota, it don't matter. I don't care. It's like this. I just want a coach to believe in him and and let him do what he does to allow him to be successful. And you got to have a coach believe in you. If not, you can have all the talent in the world, and it don't matter. It doesn't matter. No, no. No matter what position you go in the draft, it's all about opportunity yet. I mean, the number one pick at times, I mean, only gets 20, 25 minutes a game on a good team, and he could have a tough time not getting his style, you know, not being – That's that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And and like I said, uh, you know, with the mindset of some of these people, oh, Melo got to wait his turn. No, Melo been a superstar all his life. Let him do what he does. He's a superstar. And it's just like I, I always refer back to Lonzo being in his own backyard. Being in his own backyard. Let me tell you this now. Things would have been a little different 
if Magic was the coach. Because Magic is the one, what did he say? Oh, Zoe, he believed in Zoe so much, but he don't have no pull. He talking about before, even in the conference thing, me and him had a good talk. He loves winning championship. He passed the hell out that ball. Luke was a forward. He never was a point guard, so he don't see the things Magic and Zoe see. So guess what? You're not going to use him effectively. What's the name said? Oh, and so in the beginning, in the beginning, if y'all remember, he said, Lonzo, your, your jersey won't be up in the rafters. Don't break all my records. Let him coach. Yeah, I do remember that. Happens. Yeah, let him coach and watch what happens. To that effect, though, the way Rondo was so vital and important to this Laker team, I mean, Lonzo would have just been a, a major extension of that. He would have been an absolute perfect fit for this team, I thought. But, I mean, that deal needed to happen or if the Lakers get to where they are, and I think it's an – perfect spot for Lonzo. I love the fit with Zion and Ingram yet, and I think they have a great Here's future the there. Let me tell you Do this. You believe, yeah, Lonzo what, what do you think about that? Fit, Lonzo will fit with anybody. Now, the best fit in the world yes. is with his two brothers. When all three of them get on the same team, and people like to say, oh, it's not going to happen. You must be crazy as hell. Want me to give you the scenario? Yes. If you really want to hear, okay, yes. let's say Melo does three or four years, wherever he at. Jello does three or four years. Lonzo does his second contract, whatever, four years go by. Four years go by, Lonzo will be 26. Jello will be 25. Melo will be 23. If they all decide to come back to L.A., you don't think the Lakers are going to take all three of them at that time? Grown men now, already been in the league. Well, I think the question at that point becomes, can they afford them all? Because they're going to be ballers, right? Hey, 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 hey. And, here's, and here's the thing. If my boys decide to play together, it ain't about the money. They'll make so much off the court, it'd be ridiculous. It's not even going to be about the money. They're going to just be like, we want to play together. The ball boys are back. Uh, uh, the ball boys are back. Triple Bs, look. Oh, there you go. Yeah, baby. Look, I was going to say, Lonzo's game, in my, in my assessment, is uh-huh. incredible floor general. Honestly, man, people think he's like just a point guard. I think you could play Lonzo as a wing because of his playmaking abilities. Given that he's a great playmaker, he's got the wingspan, he's got the size, uh, and he's got the defensive capabilities. I always got to plug my Rockets, man. I'm from Houston. Get your son next to James Harden. I think he will flourish next to James Harden in an environment like that. What do you think about that? Lonzo flourish in anything. Like I said, he's a playmaker. He does what he does. He makes everybody around him better. And that's what people don't understand. You just got to give him the keys and let him do what he does. And everything will be fine. He loves to win. But he can't win if you're taking him in and out the game or you don't play in the fourth quarter or you let him have three fouls and be like, you get six. As soon as you get three, they pull you out. He know how to play with five fouls in no the doubt. first quarter. It's like, okay, now you just turn into a rebounder and a passer. Stop trying to run over people and, and trying to steal the ball at the top of the key to stay in front of your man. That's all that is. He's smart enough to do that. But, you know, people get nervous. Oh, two foul, three foul, and mess up the flow of the game. Lonzo better be in the flow of the game. I've always taught him to play the whole game. So when these guys get to moving him in and out, let him play three solid quarters, take him out the fourth quarter because you're up by 20 or 30. Look, that's one thing that I definitely agree with. a lot. I think a lot of, uh, I don't know about coaches, but at least fans, they don't understand the key element of rhythm. Right. Basketball is all rhythm. You know, you could, you could yes. be the best in the world. If you're out of rhythm, you're going to miss. You could be the best right. dribbler. Pass rhythm, you're going to miss those, those passes and whatnot. So right. I agree with you. Rhythm is very big. And when you get a talented player in the right rhythm, you obviously are going to get the best results. Right, most definitely. After going through this whole process with Lonzo before, coming out number 
two in that draft and seeing this thing play out. What did you learn from that go around that's different this run with Ella? Hey, the process is the process is the same. No, nah, not not difference between those two necessarily. Like you, you've treated it exactly the exact same. Yes, if, as you I'm did the first the exact round same, round. But 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 you got to understand we're in a different situation now which is uh, there's a lot of different variables in this. What I mean by that is the notoriety that we have as a ball family. The other thing is you got the, the COVID, you know, yeah. you got, so you got different things, different platforms that we usually can't go on. But now I'm already out there as a family. People know what we're about. So that makes it easier. And now knowing that all my boys are talented as hell, it ain't nothing like, oh, don't say that. He's not that good. He's not that uh these teams, they understand what the ball magnetism does for any franchise. So one thing we haven't talked about in depth yet is Lonzo being paired with a phenom in Zion Williamson. I think that's pretty right. incredible, right? The Pelicans got the number one pick and they got the number two pick from just a couple years ago. Right. Um, so what do you see as far as they fit? I feel like Zion is the kind of guy who will definitely benefit from playing with Lonzo because of his playmaking ability and his ability right. to push tempo. So what are you expecting out of those two? I expect wonders out of them, man. Um, Lonzo's always played with a guy that's, you know, if you can, if you can run that lane and do some things, he's going to make your job a lot easier. You know, he's just like Lonzo played with a boy uh, in high school, Eli Scott, same player. Rebound the ball and can run. Now he, you know, Eli Scott 2.0. He can jump high, stronger, and a little bit faster. So anybody, any other guard he played with, not going to do what Lonzo does, which is throw lobs from half court, always looking for you. If a mismatch is easy on the box, he's going to get it to you early. He's not going to sit there and I'm a throw it in the post. He knows how to get it quick to him. So, like I said, he's going to thrive with, with Lonzo. Hopefully, you know, whatever Lonzo does, wherever Lonzo goes, Zion will be there with him because he ain't going to be the same player without him. Well, I recently listened to you on Adam Carolla's show. That was a fun interview in itself, mm-hmm. but – uh, I heard you say something. I'm a recent father. I got a nine month old baby at home here, and uh, I heard you say all three boys. I thanks a lot, man. I heard you say all three of them were walking by eight months and yes. pooping on them by themselves and by by ten by months. Ten months you know, was train. Yes, when they was you know when they was young, man. Instead of putting them in a walker, I would take a scarf and tie it up under their arms and just hold them up like a bungee cord. For a long time during the day, so they can get their balance instead of just leaning in a walker going like this. I'm at home with them all day, man. I'm trying to create just just all kind of things, and so I'm also let them use the bathroom after they eat every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Let them use the bathroom if they take a nap, wake up, use the bathroom in the middle of the night. I'll wake them up so they don't piss on themselves. I'll wake them up. I ain't got nothing to do. I train out of the house. I ain't going nowhere. I get time and take a nap so I can stay up all night and watch MTV and Sports Center while they're using the bathroom or staying up. So big ball so it was brand, easy. Is big baller brand extending into house training, potty breaking, potty training? Hey man, I, I catch that in my next book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well to that, to that teach effect, me, please. <laughs> to that effect uh, about training your sons, I'm gonna press you for one second. I got a question. I think one of the weaknesses that I've identified in Lonzo's game is the wind-up on the shot. He kind of winds up through the left shoulder, and I think that that can hinder you know, his ability to, to pull quick and coming off screen yes. in a certain direction. 
So when you were watching that growing uh, up, when he was growing up, what was your thought process, and, and why did you ultimately just let him do his thing and continue with that form? Hey, we win it and be effective. It ain't got nothing to do with no weaknesses of shooting. Uh, shot selection is like this, man. Let me put it to you this way. Would you rather have a guy have perfect form and can't win or a guy with a raggedy ass form and can always make the winning shot at some point? If it ain't broke. So what I'm saying is there's a lot of different people shooting the ball. Don't worry about how he shoots it. Worry about the effectiveness of the shot. So, you know, they say the wind up. He started doing a step back. I had him shooting like this. But as time started going on, he started doing a step-back shot, step back to the left, and he, he got the ball here. And before they can get it, he boom, or he had it here and passed it. So it just started matriculating that. When he got to uh, UCLA, uh, Steve Alford was like, okay, they went to Australia, and he was like, let's change it. And Lonzo looked like, it looked like shit over there in Australia. So when he came back, I said, yo, just let him finish doing his thing, shooting like that, and let him have the keys to the car. And he gonna win for you. And he ran off twenty something games in a row, but he went back to his old style shooting like this. So now he's trying to get back to here because you gotta have, when you pump fake and jab to the hole. When you show shot fake, you gotta have the ball here. You can't have it here. Right. He ain't gonna shoot it. So you know he's getting back to that, and and it's all right. But like I said, it's just having confidence in shot. I always say there's three different. It doesn't matter. Uh, what's the boy Ray Allen? He shoot perfect. Like this jumper, Barry Bird. He got the ball on the side of his face. Mm-hmm. Reggie, he, it's a push shot. It's yeah. like, okay, who cares? You're right. Put that ball in the hole. It don't matter. Jamal Wilkes used to shoot like this. <laughs> yeah, he wrapped that side around, uh, knocking him down. Hey, hey, and they called him Silk Wilkes. Oh, uh, <laughs> somebody Silk with a shot around here. Hey, I, for the record, I had a um, I know people listening to this can't see the motion you're doing, but I used to hoop with this guy. We called him old school at the gym. Same thing, he uh, right around. He like almost like put a side spin. <laughs> I don't know how that thing ever went in, but it did. Right. And to Lonzo's credit, uh, I don't have the, the figures in front of me, but I think he shot 37, 38% on a good amount of volume from three this past season. So definitely. Right. So. He did all right. He did all right. He can shoot better than that. I know that. I know he can go 40, 50% for the three point line. 50. But coach, easy. But a coach just got to believe in him and let him do what he does. He can miss the first seven and make the next six. I'm just telling you, if he, if he, if you like, just do your thing, so just make sure you win for it. And he's going to do it, I'm telling you. So I believe your wife was a pretty good athlete as well. Yes. I got to know, what what has she instilled in the boys that you give her more credit for than yourself? Well, she instills the same thing I do. You know, I don't give more credit than what I do because I'm cold. But you know what? She can't be the – well, listen, like my boys always played up. But she never was the type to be like, hey, your dad's a little mad that you guys lost. You, you scored 30 points. You did great. He's just a little hard on you. She'd be like, man, we lost by four. You should have scored 36. Keep working on you because she's just tough. Like, a lot of women ain't going to be like because their motherly instincts is like, don't hurt my baby. Tina, like, get your ass up and let's keep rolling. She was an athlete, so she got that drive into that killer. And you can't suck up to your mom and be like, oh, I'm going with mom because dad's screaming too much. Nah, no. She screamed just as bad as I am. So it's it's all good. We was on the same page. That's awesome. So, you know, that's one of those things you can't really, it's not even that you can't teach it. You just need to grow up with it and you get right. it. Regardless, man. So we got LaMelo entering soon. Do you have yes. any idea where he's going to end up? Uh, I, I have no idea because, you know, why I say that, it's a lot of teams maneuvering now to move up to try to get this guy. So there's a lot of different scenarios that I'm hearing. Uh, in the beginning stage, I was loving Detroit on the fact that 
they said, you know what? If if they would have got first pick, it would have been great. Or in fact, they would have picked him. They would have got uh, Jello and found a way to trade for Lonzo. Now I got all three of my boys in Detroit. Same thing with New York. That's why I was rolling with both of them because all of them wanted my boys. That would do nothing for a franchise but take them to the moon. If all three of my boys end up on one team, whenever they do, it'll be the biggest story in the NBA ever. From a basketball perspective, I know like they're bro- they're brothers. Obviously, they grew up playing yes. and all that. From an actual X's and O's tactical basketball perspective, why do you think they're such a good fit together? They're a good fit together because they're organically the big three, and they'll play at a pace that's so fast that you can't you can't compete with it. And people always say, well, LeVar, hey, last time all three of them was together, they was undefeated, and they was babies. Now, as grown men, you got you got uh, Jello 6'7", Melo 6'8", and you got Alonzo at 6'7", all on the perimeter, switching, trapping, running, getting rid of the ball fast, hey, and taking a lot of shots. So guess what? We're going to score 150, 160 in the NBA. Easy. We're going to throw it back to the early 90s when boys were just running. Man, we're going to be running so fast. I took my other two sons overseas, and they couldn't be beat. And that was just mellow and jello. But we were scoring 150, 160. Very easy. So with three of them, and that was in the little – 40-minute thing in my JBA, we was averaging 160. And I remember why I was watching some of those games. I forget if – I think it was Lithuania or was it Latvia? I think Lithuania. Uh-huh. I was watching some yeah. of those games, man. That we play so fast, it's like, you know what, you can't catch us. That's why I said when we went overseas, I said, you guys can't beat us because you got to change the engine and you're not because you've been practicing a certain way and you're not used to two players taking 30 shots apiece. <laughs> so we win a lot of games. I said, you would tap out at 120, but we go to 130, 140. It never beat us. Yeah, and, and Lamelo was on fire, man. I mean, I, I remember at first I was skeptical about Lamelo being able to succeed at that level at that certain age that he was at. I, th- right. I, th- I don't think he had hit his growth spurt yet at that point. Right. Um, so I don't think he was the full six seven. Uh, right. And I was watching, and and when I watched those games, I was like, no, this kid's going to be for real. Right. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So he always played up so high. That's why when you go to Australia and folks are like, do you know he got these two triple doubles in a row? I was like, he was doing that in my league all day. And these teams are better than some of these teams at at, at Australia. I hate to tell y'all. Y'all act like it's something new. Now watch what he does in his – with a coach that let him loose. Watch what he does in his NBA with this open-up game like that and with better talent around him. No, I think the thing that makes your boys so special is their natural instincts, their intelligence, and just their well-roundedness. With that said, I mean, I feel like LaMelo, I mean, the thing that – I question that I just – I think it's a lot of natural ability. I think he's – I'm just not sure. Like, I haven't probably seen enough of his tape, I mean, in person, I guess, uh, with motor-wise. I mean, if there's anything that he needs to show more, me, it would be his, his motor and his Well, his let me ask you, I mean, let me ask you a question. That? I mean, what do like, you mean by Lonzo's his motor? extent, you think? Like, does he what? have that dog in him? Because I think Lonzo has that. But I have seen what? that – well, here, here's the thing, man. What about his motor? I mean, that's what y'all hear. Here's the thing. My sons have a great time out there playing, and they're so fancy, and they so good condition. The mm-hmm. fact that they're not making expressions like, ah, the intensity, man. Hey, there we go. light skin. They look too easy. Ears <laughs> is big, light eyes. But they've always played with that intensity and that fast and that quickness and that winning. If you give them the keys to the car, they're going to win. They did a lot of winning. That's what people don't get. They do yep. the little stuff right here. It's like, dude, only time they lose is when nobody has the confidence in them and they're taking them in and out the game. You let my sons play the whole game anytime, just like we went to Lithuania. They didn't know how to use them. 
But the games that I coach, we never lost the games because I let my boys loose and say, go get them wins. And, and, and that's the same thing with Lonzo and Jello. They, they win a lot. That's what people don't understand. To your point, LeVar, I also saw uh, LaMelo play in person at the Drew, I think last summer. And yes. There was a game where I think he, I think it went down into to OT or like a, a game-winning bucket. I can't remember. I got a bunch of videos on my phone, but I forget. Uh-huh. I, think, I think LaMelo hit like a game-tying or game-winning bucket. Um, and he showed some of that dog in him. So to your point. Hey, hey, my, my boys ain't got no dog in them because the dog is too soft. They got that go-gorilla in them. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Gorilla, baby. Yeah, exactly. Um, Talk to him. That's BBGs, baby. Look. Uh, yeah. look the, dog, the dogs ain't got nothing on no gorillas. <laughs> so, look, man. Yes. Uh, I know that you have to get out of here in a second. Um, yeah. I was going to say, I'm out in L.A. I'm going to throw a shameless plug, man. I know that Lonzo um, threw a rap album out there. I may not look it, but if you check my Twitter, I got some of the hardest bars on this side of the country. Anyway, okay, okay. I'll send those to you. I'll, I'll tweet at you. Take a look if you can. We need, we need big baller records to sign our boy Roosh over here. We need big baller hey, records. You, hey, you know I got you know we got a recording studio on, on the premises, so if you're coming with it and Lonzo say you the man, let's roll. Bro, I'll send it to you. We'll see. And uh, Okay. In addition to that, send us some of that water, some of them rims, some of them shoes, anything. Okay, else. okay, for sure. Hey, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. We know hey, man, I appreciate y'all. Y'all stay safe, right, man? Yes, sir. Big balls out, baby. Yeah, baby. Take care and best of luck. Hopefully see LaMelo in Minnesota. You just heard Noble and Roosh talking to the big baller himself, LaVar Ball. Coming up next, the guys talk to Sam Esfandiari of Warriors World Radio and host of the Light Years Podcast. This episode and podcast are brought to you by BallIsLife.com and Dash Radio. Today we have a special guest from across the bay in Golden State, my guy Sam Esfandiari, fellow Persian. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. What's up, man? What's up, guys? Got the Persian connection going today, huh? Absolutely. We're, we're going to make you feel very othered tonight. No. Please, yeah, put me in a box. Let's hear it. <laughs> UPS, baby. What can Brown do for you? Um, <laughs> so, Sam, man, look, we haven't seen the Warriors play in a long time. Um, we haven't heard any noise from the Warriors in a long time. I think some people have forgotten about them. As a Rockets fan, I probably will have eternal and perpetual PTSD about the Golden State Warriors, so I have not forgotten about them. Uh, but kind of talk to us a little bit, little bit about you know, where you are in terms of covering the team, the fans are, and just what the mindset is in Golden State. I mean, are they, are they coming back for a championship? Like, what's the deal? Yeah, I mean, most of the fans – absolutely believe gap year and they're going to pick up like it's 2015. Okay. KD left, but Steph clay Draymond, um, they'll figure some stuff out in the margins and they'll be fine. Myself. I have to be a little more realistic, which is clay Torres ACL Draymond signed with clutch and not um, Draymond's Wait, older. He's, 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 he's uh, he, yeah, he's, um, he's, I don't know. He had an awful year. He's, he's gone through a bunch of injury stuff. Steph's 32. It's really hard to ignore the fact that he continues to pick up nagging injuries every year. And so it's a question mark uh, in terms of where they are. Do I feel good about their position? Like, yeah, there's still probably 25 teams in the NBA who would die to have a player as good as Steph Curry. So they're in a decent position. Um, But the second to the, to your second question, 
I don't think anyone can read what they're doing. They've actually played the smokescreen thing with the draft really well. I'm shocked by it because you talk to people around the team and you get different opinions on every player. Some people say they love Wiseman. Some people say they hate Wiseman. Some people say they want to pick someone. Some people say they want to trade down. And this is something you even see people like Zach Lowe and Woj and like people are like, you know, as plugged in with the league as possible, say like no one really knows what the Warriors are going to do in terms of this off season. And I think that's probably by design. I think they're trying to mess with the league because everyone knows Steph Clay and Draymond's age. It's not like you, you don't need to be like a rocket scientist to figure out like, okay, best case scenario, this team has like a two to three year window before those guys start getting too old. So do they want to go the route of pushing all their chips in with vets or are they going to try to do the Spurs thing where they draft someone they're hoping yep. is going to be the extension piece to take this window out five, seven years. And no one can get a clear answer on that. No, this team is one of the most fun and mysterious and interesting teams that I can recall in a long-ass time. Like, it's exciting just to see what's going to play out here. So let's rewind a little bit. Let's. I need to know where your thoughts are on the D-Low-Wiggins trade. I'm a huge Timberwolves fan. Let's start with there, and then we'll go progressively forward with that. I mean – just a side note, this is how you know the Warriors have reached a level of success where their uh, their local team affiliates are now like just talk about the culture and like ha- it's not even like have they rehabbed Dela or sorry Wiggins it's like is he better than Paul George already right, that type of go. like that type of like homerism BS going on so um, I think the trade's a win for the Warriors in the sense of they didn't particularly like D'Lo. Um, he's not a great fit for the way they want to play. And internally they kind of felt like he wasn't good enough to adapt their style. Like he's, he's not James Harden, you know, James Harden plays the same ISO style, but he's significantly better than D'Angelo Russell enough that you're willing to tweak your offense to accommodate someone like that. You know, do you think they gave him enough time to figure out if he really was who they thought he was or probably not. But I think that that pick that future pick, which I don't really believe the Warriors will ever make right now. It's like their golden ticket. Like they're, it, it reminds me of when the Celtics had that unprotected Nets pick where it was always like, oh, who are they going to trade it for? They end up trading for Kyrie Irving. It kind of didn't work out for either side. <laughs> but, I don't um, know. It worked out to Colin Sexton, and I believe in Colin Sexton. Colin Sexton, yeah. And I mean, yes, we're a little biased. We just had him on the show before this, but okay. I truly believe. I, I think he has all star potential. I do. Do I think he's going to be one? I'm not. I would say he's got a thirty percent chance of being one. But 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 even they if we won move the trade, a- in my mind. They but even if you trade. move it, even if you move it back a second, um, yep. and Colin Sexton could be really good, um, and he's certainly not a bad player. Uh, but like when that trade went down, everyone thought that Nets pick was going to be the number one pick overall, for sure, number 100%. two pick or something like. That. And that's like kind of the allure this Wolves pick has right <laughs> now, which is kind well, of why I, I kind of hope. Fire, yeah. Well, it, like right now it's D'Lo, Cat, yeah. and. Josh Okogie, maybe? I don't know. Like, hey, you're number... right. You're exactly right. Hey, Okogie's number three. That's kind of why I kind of think that the move for them is to trade the pick early because sure. the Wolves are not going to tank. 
they traded their pick. We're going all out right now. So it's like now it's like, you know, right now that pick is sexy. Next year when the Wolves are, let's just say, 500-ish, and it's maybe the 12th pick overall, it's not the coolest thing on earth to own, you know? It's like, oh, we got the 12th pick, you know, something like that, right? Maybe it's the 9th, 11th. Hey, draft, draft Twitter's salivating over the 2021 12th pick. Even the 20 pick. They're saying the 20 pick is better than the 3 pick in 2020, but... I've, I've been enjoying that too. And I, and I feel oh, like that's hilarious. a thing that happens every year. Every, every prospect a year out is sure. the next yeah. coming of Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James or something like that. And then, and then we get film on them and realize, okay, they're just another very talented 18 year old who could go in any different direction. Yeah. I mean, look, if we're talking guys that fit that profile, right. Another talented 18 year old that can go in any direction. I want to loop that back around to Andrew Wiggins. Right. The question. Yeah, there we go. Perfect. Yeah. Is, was the D'Lo trade a win or a loss or whatever? I when when the D'Lo trade happened, when Golden State got D'Angelo Russell, I was as a Rockets fan, I was happy because I knew that fit did not work. I, I was less optimistic about them being willing to unload him so quickly as they did, and I think they did a good job. But D'Angelo Russell never fit next to Steph. Like Sam said, he's, he's a guy that's – look. I'll forever disagree on that. That's all I'm going to say there. I think it could have worked. We just never saw it. But the trade's fine. I mean, look, he plays ISO ball. He's just not as good at, as good at it. And he's got Steph and Clay next to him, right? Like it just doesn't – I don't know. For me, it, it, would, it would never – Oh, it's not a perfect – not good at all. I'll, I'll split the way. difference. I'll split the difference and say I think you're both right. I th- but I do think D'Lo – in the Warriors system would have put a hard cap on the ceiling because For sure. Steph's limited as a defender. I mean, he's 6'3". At, on his best day, he's a good team defender. D'Lo's like, a terrible defender. Wiggins, D'Lo, just a wash in that pick makes it a win. So you've watched him more than anyone, so you're just going to laugh <laughs> at me me, for about yeah, a Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear your uh, Wiggins Island. You're stuck on it now, buddy. No, I, hey, I, I'll, let, me, let, me, let me get on the cross. I'm a Kansas graduate, too, a Kansas diehard, too. So Oh, you've seen I, way too much of him. Oh, I know him by heart. I know this guy. And you got the exact experience right up front. He, oh, he's a developed playmaker now. Oh, he was hitting that three ball. Oh, is there a little defense there because he's next to Draymond? Two weeks later, fucked. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The culture gamble. But here's the thing. You don't need him to be any of that. And I don't think Andrew Wiggins. He doesn't. No, you're right. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, I think, and I think D'Angelo Russell's a better basketball player than Andrew Wiggins. But the Golden, Un- undisputed. Yeah. But the Golden State Warriors don't need him to be any of that. They just need him. 100%. They just need him to be Harrison Barnes. That's it. A and he's better. Bit, a little bit better. And he is better than Harrison Barnes, in my opinion. Maybe not defensively yet. Maybe not defensively, but I mean, look, I've seen Steph and Clay and Draymond wreak havoc. You put a guy like Andrew Wiggins as their fourth with much less expectations, I think he's the kind of guy that thrives in that role. Right? Somebody- I do think you guys are hitting on it. It comes down to his defense. Like, I think offensively he is what he is. He's going to have a random 30-point night, and then he's going to follow it up with a nice 5 for 15, 12-point night. Like, it's just who he is. But his um, athleticism will be showcased a lot more in Golden State, I think, hopefully. So, I mean, it, for me, it's the Warriors gambling that they can make. We've all seen him play defense. It's them gambling on their ability to make him play defense every night. And you know what? I'm, I, if I'm a Warriors fan, I, I would be okay with that because all you talk about is the culture and, you know, like how great it is. 
this is a perfect example of putting a player with certain talents. Like I don't, I think the, uh, the days of thinking he'd be a superstar are gone, but if you think you have a strong culture that can get people to buy in, he should be able to play competent defense and you ride with his kind of ebbs and flows on offense. So for sure, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Well, yeah, let's transition to this. So let's go to this current roster you have right now in Golden State. There's four players. Do you, do you, <laughs> but don't you think they're going to resign? I mean, Looking at the cap sheet, I mean, they got all these guys that are all like partial deals. Tell me about their cap situation. Like, okay, so I feel oh, like they're bringing everybody back for the most part, most of them. So if I look at the Warriors roster right now, and I have it in front of me, um, okay, yeah. so obviously Steph, Clay, um, Wiggins, and Draymond are kind of locked in, and <laughs> it's very hard to see them even moving one of those players without it being just kind of a concession, like they're not moving Wiggins without taking someone else's albatross contract and a negative move. So let's assume they all stay there. Everyone else on the roster is kind of a development piece you want on the back half of your roster, like, like Jordan Poole, Eric Paschal, um, maybe not Looney. Looney could be a little higher up if he's healthy, but like Marquise Chris, all these guys are guys that they, you know, internally they probably like more than sure. fans do, but like, they're going to enter this off season looking at it. Like we have man nine through 15 and we have man one through four. So can we find man five through eight on the roster, which is going to be a lot of the mid-level exception, the traded player exception for Iguodala. Um, Can we convince a good wing or just a good vet to take a veteran minimum for one year? And I'm not even talking like someone like, you know, big time talking like, can we get like a Kent Bazemore? to agree to a one-year veteran minimum type of deal. So that's kind of how I look at the Warriors roster right now. Like they're trying to figure out those three to four veteran players who round out the rotation who are just, if nothing else, reliable. Like Steve Kerr has alluded to this more than anyone in terms of we need to sign a few veterans because he likes he likes his young players. He likes his Pascal. He likes Marquise Chris, but he doesn't want to have to depend on them as being like a 25 minute per game bench player with the expectations that they're going to go deep into the playoffs. So it's finding what's, what's the most they could spend on a guy say if they move, like didn't guarantee a lot of these contracts were of 3 million bucks. They're, I have 5.8 really? on the mid-level exception, oh, the, the, the taxpayer even... mid-level. And then there's the, um, the big one bad. is the traded player exception, which is 17 million. Ooh. But that 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 means taking someone else's, like for example, the Rockets have uh, Eric Gordon, right? Um, maybe they want to get out of his contract. Do the Warriors want to eat his old contract and send the Rockets a pick? Yes, please. I don't. I don't know. You know, like that's very pricey. But that's the type of thing we're talking about using the trade player exception on. They can, and just to be clear, Eric Gordon's better than anyone on the Warriors. Put that chubby down, Rich. Put the chubby down. <laughs> hey man, I, I consider it. I'm so I'm down on Eric. <laughs> but like, but you get what I'm saying. Like, Eric Gordon's uh, objectively a better NBA player than Jordan Poole or Eric Pascal. Right. Well, hold on. So, so uh, in, in, in I like Eric Pascal a lot. I think he's <laughs> a bona fide long term starter. Don't you? What I mean. I think he's a six six guy who got a bunch of buckets on a team that was awful. He, that's fair. <laughs> so you don't believe in him to be a starter ever. I think he's more likely to be team. an energy energy bench guy. 
Okay. But you know, he could be a starter. He could. I don't know. I'm not ruling it out. How's that sound? I'm I like hearing that. I I would not want to enter next season with the expectation that he has to be the best player off the bench. No. <laughs> Do you have faith in any of the young dudes? I um I think they're fine. I think the Warriors' expectations are to compete with the Lakers and Clippers yeah. and, like, compete for a title. So, like, let's be realistic. I think – wow, now you got my mind. Um, I think, like, Pascal will be a good player. I think if you're asking Eric Pascal to play 25 minutes a game in the Western Conference Finals versus either L.A. team or even the Rockets or something like that um, – I don't know. That seems like a lot to ask for a guy. I just don't think we know. A year ago, yeah, you know, I agree. I don't think you know. Yeah, yeah, but there's so many guys. Like lately, these guys are so mature and so polished. If they go into these really good programs and teams, they're able to perform if they're a really good player. Well, we know really quickly. You know, look at Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Jason Tatum, but uh, even go down in the lottery, Tyler Hero. There's plenty of these guys that. Pop out. I mean, I just it's, it's possible. Like, I, okay, was a top twenty-five guy for me before the draft, and he is okay. So maybe maybe I'm being a little harsh on him, but they any way you slice it, like they don't have a starting center right now. Correct. I do. Like they have though. zero veterans off the bench at this point, mm-hmm. so they do need to add a couple of those players to then you know. Just to put it bluntly, it's going to be a lot easier for someone like Eric Pascal to be productive if he's next to. Clay Thompson and yes. let's just say they, I don't, I, I can't even think of the center like Aaron Baines, something like that. Like we're talking about just like pro like in pros, pros where now he can just play in a role. Well, I mean, I think you said no, no center, no starting center. I think Kevon Looney, I think, I think you have a good starting five with Looney. I like Chris better though. I mean, look, you could go Chris or Looney. I mean, Chris, I've seen Marquise Chris play. I'm not high on Marquise Chris. I do think that he, you will see the best version of Marquise Chris next to a healthy Warriors roster. Um, I'm still questionable as to whether or not, you know, Marquise Chris can play mistake-free basketball consistently and, like, keep rotations right. and things like that. Um, but he's the kind of guy that, like, yo, they could get spurts from him that are very useful. But you have Looney, uh, Draymond, Wiggins, Clay, Steph, right? You got guys like Chris who can occasionally contribute. Pascal, who I think can at least occasionally contribute. You're going to have the mid-level uh, veterans minimum, and then you got the number two pick in the draft. So I think they're in pretty good, pretty good shape. If they, they yeah, I would, I would say they're in good shape. I, I, I think the only th- okay, so maybe I came across too negative. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's I love just, it. it's, it's a lot of a, and... it's a lot of balls in the air is what it comes down to. Like, I, I mean, they could throw the pick and the wolves pick and a bunch of things and make some like insane trade for Bradley Beal. Or they could go the route, which I think is the most likely, which is like, they'll make the pick. They'll find someone productive for the mid-level. They'll find, there'll be some veteran who's willing to take the vet minimum because the market's not great. And next thing you know, you got like this, like, you know, so, it's, it'll be like a Spursy esque roster where it's kind of like you know you're yeah. you're it's a lot of pieces and you're counting on them to be kind of better than the sum of their parts in terms of uh, individual play. Yeah. So before we get into trade talks and that draft pick and everything, uh, just got to ask you this: I mean, if this team as constructed right now, say they bring back everybody, just who's okay. on that current cap sheet right now, fully guarantee everybody. If they play at 100%, Draymond gets back to himself, 
in this mythological world I'm speaking of. Sure. Clay Thompson recovers, gets back to 100%. Steph gets back to 100%. Wiggins plays to the best of his ability that he has, that he's been proven to. Do you think they're a true contender? Because I don't. I think they still need pieces around them. Yeah, I think they're a tier two. Like, I think they're very, very close. I think they can be. I just think they need defense. What percentage do you think do they get to that 100% with this group? Like, can they? Can Draymond ever get back there? Do you believe in that? Can How quickly can Clay get healthy? Are you worried about Steph health? Like, what do you believe in this team is what I'm getting so at. So, I, I do agree with you because right now – if you're talking about the Warriors, the question comes down to, let's just assume Draymond all this time off has healed his body and you're going to get right. some version of like the guy who everyone called like the best defensive player they've ever seen or whatever. Who's the fifth guy in that lineup? It's either Chris or Looney. That's who it is. Right. Um, that, but but or, or you go Pascal right. over and go really small and just a really terrible defensive team. Yeah, that's what, so I'm getting at. So for me, they're tier two until free agency ends. I don't think they need like, uh, you know, like it's a superstar play at the center. They just need someone who is a legitimate starter and who fits the way they want to play. Rich, I don't I think, wanna, do I don't think they need, uh, you know, uh, some superstar off the bench. I just think they need a couple veterans. So you feel a little more confident about where they're going. And then everything else comes down to like, is the core still kind of what but, we thought it was. Right. Cause like you it, personally and Rucho, I want you to answer this too. Do you believe clay will get back to a hundred percent? Because I'm only probably, you ask me, I'm about 80% belief in that Steph and Clay will ever get back to 100% at the same time. I would bet money on Clay getting back to 100%. I would not yes. bet money on Draymond ever resembling the player okay. he was in 2016 17. Um, I've seen Clay play and like all the workouts, like the, it's going to take him a couple months to shake rust, but like he doesn't really rely on his ACL. He's not a quick touch guy to begin with. So he'll be fine. He's still got one of the five best shooting strokes of like all time basically i'm not particularly concerned about clay um i'm concerned about draymond who is like the ultimate outlier like he exceeds his body in terms of playing and there's like only a certain amount of time you can do that like how often can you be the six six guy who plays like he's seven feet tall because you're everywhere on the floor like there, there's a there's a finite lifetime on that yeah i think Maybe I just have, again, PTSD. I think they're all going to, you know, they're fine. I think they're all fine. I'm, love sure it. As a fan, love it. I'm sure that as a fan of the Warriors, you feel the way you do, and you've watched the team way more than me, so you know. But as a fan of a different team and just predicting, like, the outlook and all the time off, I think Draymond can go for a full year. Can he be what he was? Maybe not 100%. Can he be 85% of it? I think so, um, at least for one season. Um, will Clay come back? I think so as well. Like Sam said, he's not like he just gets to his spot and he hits hits shots, right? He might be a little less aggressive in you know dunking and transition or when he breaks the basket. <laughs> Play dunks um, are hilarious. Yeah, right. Uh, but I, I mean, he just needs to get to his spot and shoot, and he defends, you know. And I, so I think he'll be totally fine. I think ACLs are the kind of thing that unless you have like a history, um, you know, if it's a one off, especially at that level of being an athlete, the most elite level there is with all the best treatment and facilities, blah, 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 and all this extra time, um, I think he'll be fine. 
Well, I have. I don't know if Steph will be what Steph was. Not that he's going to drop off, but like, will he be, you know, thirty points a game, Steph, or will he be more of like a twenty-four, twenty-five? I don't know. But I mean, I'm not going to count those guys out until I see it. And in that same vein, I think their presence, their collective presence, will unlock a better version of Wiggins that will kind of compensate for any dip off they have. So I think they'll be fine. I think they're going to make the right moves, draft pick. You know, I was saying this uh, when you were talking about not having a center, you know, maybe like a, and I'm not, I'm not a free agent off season guy. I'm more like substance sure. than the nose, but maybe like a Paul Millsap for the MLE, you know? So, right. 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 Like so you, let's, you just never know what they can hit. And then all of a sudden it's like, yo, the Warriors are back to top three contenders. So you never know. So let's transition to that. Cause I think Paul Millsap would be one of those best case scenario guys. If he wants to chase a ring, for that $5 million, let's say, that, or the MLE, let's, who are the best-case scenario guys? Because, I mean, for me, one guy that sticks out is I think he's going to get more money than this, but I think the fit and the need, like Hassan Whiteside, I just think him and Draymond, though, would be awfully shitty together. I just, <laughs> I, just, I just think I think he's good, and I think in that system might give him structure, and I don't know. I would hate to – I would love to – I shouldn't say I hate. I'd love to see him and Draymond. Oh, that's that's gonna be a fun one. Um, so my number one want was Marcus All. He signed yeah, to go overseas. I, so, um, but I don't need to explain to you how you know that that's an obvious fit. That's so, yeah. well, hold up, is Marcus All locked overseas, or can he like by the time he's, he's gone, gone, he's going? I mean, he could, he could come back, but right. the, the point is, you know, we'll, we'll deal with that one when it comes. You could have Paul. Like, you could have Paul. It's true. He's, he's forty now, huh? Forty-one, I think maybe. Uh, Ibaka would now be my number one, but he's hundred percent getting like three right. to four times as much. So scanning the list, I mean, Tristan Thompson and Draymond would be funny for a lot of reasons, but he would yeah. probably fit the role pretty well. Whiteside wouldn't be terrible. Um, Does Mac Biombo maybe? Maybe I think Aaron Baines is probably my favorite center oh, yeah, on the maybe. list after that, and. I think he might be attainable. He does a lot of the things that Andrew Bogut did. Not as well, but he can sort of shoot the three. Uh, he definitely shoots it. I get surprised every time it goes in, but it goes uh-huh. in at a higher clip than Draymond. So um, that works. And then there's always the Dwight Howard option, um, who was, I thought he was phenomenal for the Lakers. Like, he's surprisingly good. And but I don't know if the Warriors are willing to take that chance with him. Um, so those are the type of players I'm thinking about for the center. I would, I, I would be happy with Aaron Baines or Dwight Howard, to be honest. What about um, like Mason Plumley or Myers Leonard? Steve Kerr, would love, Steve Kerr would love both of them. But uh, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of them is a phenomenal passer and one of them is a phenomenal shooter. So yep. I, I can't complain with either of them on offense. Both of them would work, but then they run. you run into the defensive issue. So if the Warriors end up with either of those, you're still kind of running into the same question of, who's going to be the fifth guy when you close games, because when you close games, you have to deal with, you know, Harden and Westbrook. If mm-hmm. you have like Myers Leonard out there, they're going to get hunted. Right. Um, the Lakers like Anthony Davis and LeBron, like that's even worse. Right. And then, so, so those are the things I'm like, I would almost rather them go with a defensive player who is offensively limited and puts a ton of pressure on Steph to like create more offense than he should than getting someone who can help the offense in space. Do you think Wes Matthews can play any D left? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think some good fits if, you know, if the money works, uh, we have brought this up, Zach, 
you know, good teams all tend to have like the same mix of names in the pool. Danilo Gallinari. I don't know if you said Danilo. Is that yeah. Yeah, I just think he's going to get way too much money if, if well, he wants he's public, it. Publicly stated, he's willing to take less, so I think he might have that expectation. You know, um, he said winning is what he's focused on. I mean, he said that. So, if there's anywhere to look, man, I mean, a guy. I mean, he's a, he's a he's another. I didn't want to put him in the Celeste because, yeah, but like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It goes without saying he fits the Warriors like ball movement motion offense type of system without even, I mean, he fits any team, but yeah. Well, I don't think it is. I don't think it's a pipe dream though. I mean, you're the Warriors, man. Like, like you said, you have the Spurs type culture, you have the aura of the championships and Steph and clay. I think you guys, you know, will be a, a premier destination for anyone who's who for any player that money is not a problem for. Um, right, right. I think Michael green would be a great fit. Uh, if he yeah. were, I think he has a player option, so he'd have to opt out. Uh, but Jermichael green, you know, stretches the floor. Excellent player. Great defender. Yeah. Um, and then also, if you want to go more traditional center, I think Robin Lopez could be awesome. Um, I think he also has a player player option. So it'd be up to whether he's, you know, opting out or whatever. But if you, I'm talking traditional center. I wouldn't go traditional five if I was Golden State. I'd look for more of like a Jermichael Green. Yeah. Um, or, or like, I mean, I wouldn't mind Robin Lopez, but I don't want to break the mid-level for a guy like that. That's right. what it comes down to. How about New Orleans Noel? Same thing. I would. He's fine. He's he's good. He's good when he's engaged. But yeah. like, are you really going to throw your only exception at him? That's kind of what it comes down to. For me. I think they screwed up by getting rid of Willie Cully. I think he could be really good there. He might be available too. I think he's got a player option. Yeah, he does definitely. Although I don't think he's. I think he's one of those guys that you know looks good on paper and then it just doesn't produce to the expectations that you want or need. You know, I haven't yeah, I think- enough of him in the NBA to know like why that is, but. It just never works out. It seems it never works out for him, you know? He's, he's weird because he he can do some really great things mm-hmm. on defense. Like, just the type of, like, only, like, the Anthony Davis caliber of athlete can, like, do. And then follows it up with – I mean, it's, it's basically the JaVale McGee thing where you're, like – you know, where you're just like you're waiting for it to come together, but it's like he, he is objectively helpful, but like do you rely on him? Hey, but to that to that extent, you're right about JaVale McGee and he always was that right. kind of guy. But I mean shit, you guys got what you needed out of him and three rings for JaVale. Yeah. Who knows? What about what about like guards or wing? Uh I feel like this is where the Golden State is always screwed up on um, the end of the bench guys just trying to keep fit. They've been just in and out of all these guys, and they never really worked out for them um, through like eight through twelve, in my estimation. Yeah, I mean, I think they'll be better eight through twelve with the roster they have because, like guys like oh, yeah, Damian Lee, Damian Lee, and Jordan Poole, and all those guys, like they they know how to play the Warriors brand of basketball, whatever you want to call it. But you are right, like the when they got KD. Um, which, you know, you no one's ever going to complain about, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it came at the cost of sacrificing depth and then they just never replenished it. It was always like trying to take flyers on guys who never worked out. So, yep. you know, but like, whatever you, you live with that. Um, I do think they do need a backup ball handler that that's just a objective fact at this point. And, um, maybe it's Jordan pool. I don't know. Uh, but like, as it stands right now, j- Steph's going to be the point guard. Draymond's obviously more of a ball handler than anything on offense. And Wiggins, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> point Wiggins, awesome. man. Point Wiggins. That's my guy. Maybe we'll get Delhi over here. 
or something. I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. I'd, I'd mess with some deli. Maybe some Emmanuel Moutier, huh? Yeah, Ready we're looking that? at the same list right now, huh? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That, that experience. Michael, Michael Carter-Williams screams Warriors. Don't, please. Can't don't. shoot. Uh, long, size of a power forward. Just, you know, just the ugliest backup offense ever, but can play defense. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was there next year. Brea could be their Barbosa. That's true. That's true. Dude, J.J. Bray is never leaving Dallas. He's tied at the hip. No, he's in. Um, hey, I'll tell you someone who, who would work. I don't know if you have the money for him. I don't know what kind of market he's going to command, but D.J. Augustine, I think, would be a nice ball handler. That's a good name. For the Warriors. Yeah, definitely. The one thing I will tell you about the Warriors is um, Steve Kerr is far more uh, Phil Jackson than Greg Popovich. Like, I think he loads the fact that his best player is 6'3". Like, he wants to just have a bunch of dudes who are tall. Like, he wants to play the two-guard front. He wants to play Kent Bazemore at point guard with a motion offense. Like, he's not a big pick-and-roll. He hates the pick-and-roll, to be honest. And it's just kind of like, you know, as good as DJ Augustini is, he's 5'10". So, he'd, I think it's more likely that they're going to pursue a P.J. Dozier or, like, a, like one of these guys who are kind of like faux point guards where you're like, eh, it's not really his position, but he can play it. You know, like, uh, um, I was going to say for the minimum or something, you know, close to it, Alec Burks. Uh, exactly. Like they already, they already great. went through that last year. Right. Somehow Alec Burks ended that up being way. the starting point guard after a month for the team. So Alec Burks is a hell of a player. I don't know why it never works for him, but he can score and light it up in, in a heartbeat. I, I don't understand why he hasn't stuck. I would love him in Houston personally, but yeah, I don't get it either. Guy. He was good for the Warriors too. Like he, he's just objectively good at being an energy scorer off the bench. For sure, and he never had anything like Tyreek Evans that screwed him up, and it's kind of that situation. <laughs> <laughs> but let's see. Uh, any personality guys? Do you ever feel that could ever happen for him, where they have a guy that would challenge Draymond at all? Would they ever take a risk on like an It or a Marcus Morris or even Hassan Whiteside, like I mentioned, or like a Carmelo type, just a different personality that doesn't fit the culture per se. Those guys are different levels. So I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think they would take Isaiah Thomas. Um, I love it. Well, actually after I just said, they don't want anyone under six, four. So, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. um, yeah, like personality wise, like I think they're, if Steve Kerr is running the show, they're going to go full Spurs. And everything you stereotype with the Spurs is what he believes in and his core in terms of winning basketball and a culture. But then you have the ownership level who's more interested in trying to be the Showtime Lakers and is absolutely willing to compromise anything for flash and success. So that's like the fundamental thing going on with the Warriors at, at like a management level. I think they would take a chance on a bunch of those guys, but I do not think it would... Like, if they got Hassan Whiteside, it, it would not shock me if four months later he's traded and then they start leaking he wasn't a culture. Um, so given all that, uh, what's your prediction? Not even prediction, just what's your outlook for next season? What are your expectations? 50 wins, title. Like, what do you think realistically um, the outlook is for the Warriors for 21, 20 to 21? I need to see what they do in the offseason, which is my hedge. But if you're asking me to make a prediction before the draft team. and everything, um, plus the pick this team plus that pick so they sign no one in free agency they're running nobody correct they have this team and I mean, this team, this team, this, team is a, this team is a five seed in the west right now yeah. but like oh, honestly so honest, 
Honestly, though, like, I mean, they have the number two pick and they have some moves to make. Like, if they walk right. away from that with Smiley Geach is the only thing, like, they deserve to be worse than that. To well, for, clarity, for clarity, my question is, obviously, after the fact, right? After the moves they make, after they make the draft, all that, you know? When, okay. When the team rounds out, as you might hope or expect, realistically. I, th- I, think, I think they're probably third to the LA teams. I think that they have a puncher's chance against them, but it, without knowing what they do, I'm going to hedge and go with the, I think the Clippers got embarrassed and they're either going to go for hell next year, or they're going to completely implode. It's going one of two ways with them and the Lakers are the champions. So you got to give them the respect that they deserve at this point, which really hurts to say, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. So let's go pick. I mean, you're, they have to draft if their draft is for sure the the way they're not able to trade this pick. Who's your pick? Shit, man. I've had 12 months to talk about this, and I still don't I know. know who I like. Come on. I really don't know who I like. I think... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just every day I'm praying they trade for Giannis. Now, uh, <laughs> um, Do you think that's on the table? I mean, you can certainly send the request. It's, it's like, right, uh, exactly. it's, 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 it's like a Tinder when you just keep, you know, messaging and then it responds. You know, it's that type of thing. Uh, you do you personally offer Clay and Draymond in that the number two Wiggins Clay Draymond? I would trade Clay for 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 Giannis. That's not oh. like you, you don't. If you have any, if you have any inkling, he would stay. You do it. It's it sucks, but you do. It. I think even for a year, just to see screw it. I mean, okay, yeah. clean the books as long as they're taking Dre and Wiggins' contract. If I can get one year of Steph and Giannis, sign me up for that shit. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, to to your question, I think I would probably go Anthony Edwards over Wiseman, but. I think they kind of want to trade. There's players in the middle of like, like players who are projected in that like five to 10 range who I'm more intrigued by. And that mm-hmm. might just be paralysis by analysis going on right now. But like all things considered, I don't love this draft. No one does. That's not a, you know, I, I, there's no one here who's Zion who like, you know, like day one tomorrow is going to be that dude. Um, I, I, th- I still think Anthony Edwards is the best player here, and he might be a little Agreed. Wiggins-ish next year, but I think he's the type of guy who, if he ends up on the Warriors, um, he's going to be a superstar in a couple of years because he's going to be surrounded by that. And if he ends up on the Charlotte Hornets, he might be a guy that everyone starts talking about how he has poor shot selection because he plays on a garbage team and he starts taking, just chucking and like, you know, turns out to be that kind of guy for a while. Paul George versus Wiggins. Yes. (laughs) No, Edwards is one on my board, but if I'm the Warriors, I'm taking Wiseman, but I don't blame them if they take anybody. Um, If I'm the Warriors, I'm taking Wiseman. What about you, Ruth? Um, Yeah, I think it's Wiseman. I mean, it comes down to Wiseman or Edwards. I just feel I don't want to be like too old school traditional, but I mean, if he is the truth, so to speak, um, then it kind of rounds out what they're looking for. Right. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I go wise, man. If there's someone on the board to trade it for, that is worth it. Like if there's something that you can do to bring Bradley Beal with the number two pick, by all means, I would do something like that. I think that's the trade. I think it, they have the assets. I really do. I think, there's very, few, I think, I think most, there's very few teams that can beat that package. 
I think the most likely scenario is they do a trade down where like mm-hmm. they go from two to eight with the Knicks. The Knicks are, you know, desperate for LaMelo, let's just say, right? And they get like a couple future picks out of the Knicks, which is just unexciting for Warrior fans right now, but like it opens up options for them to make a future trade, right? Like I think that's the type there there's no there's no scenario for the Warriors to make a big move off the bat. I think everything's kind of gonna take an intermediary move. What's who's the worst player you trade for that pick? Hmm. Miles Gordon? Is that Miles, Miles okay. There we go. I like that. I'm not trading the number two pick for Eric Gordon. Sorry. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Come on. Come on. I'm, I'm I'm trying to think players who are in that tier of not quite an all star. I like Turner. Damn. I like the Turner bit. Yeah. Turner actually is probably the perfect fifth player for the should, line. So should personally be able to get Oladipo and Turner for it. I just don't know what you do with Oladipo on that team. I would Six much rather have Oladipo than Wiggins yeah. on that team. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not turning down Oladipo, especially if it comes with Turner. Um, but you know, I I think either way. They they have a good good enough front office and management. I don't think they're going to botch the you know what they have in front of them. I think they're going to fill out the end of the bench with some quality players. I think they'll be able to use their mid level effectively, and I think they'll either do something like what Sam suggested, which in my opinion probably makes the most sense: trade down to a desperate team, which New York seems like it could definitely be desperate for a Lamelo Ball specifically. Um, and you just get the assets. Maybe you get someone in the trade that you can use on your bench and kind of plug in. What about like Mikel Bridges? Mm, Sam? I like Mikel Bridges. Are you really willing to move down from two to 10 for Mikel Bridges? That seems a little aggressive. I mean, the Warriors, that team needs defense. And if I think if you can get 10 and him, I think it, I would, I do it personally. Um, like OG Ananobi, if I can get something for two and OG. OG okay. OG, OG, I would. Okay. OG's a hell of a player. I think he's got higher upside than Mikel Bridges. I agree, but I think it's I think they're close. Um, those would be the two like of the lesser barrel for sure. I don't even know though. Like the, the popular ones, Drew Holiday. I don't know if I do that if I'm the Warriors. The I Drew don't. one's weird. I I, uh-huh. I almost wonder if the Warriors are smoke screening there just to have their name involved in it to just kind of like why is it weird. Because he's another okay. First off, Drew's a phenomenal defender, and he can guard multiple positions. But it, it's Steph, it's Drew, it's Clay. It's a little undersized. I don't know that they want to go that route. Like I, I hear you on that. Like on the flip side, Drew's a better defender than Wiggins for one. Oh, so so Drew's so it's like, like you're you're, you're, you're trading size, but you're not probably getting worse on defense. Like what, he's, what he's like Mark like rumor or trade for Drew. I mean, Zach Lowe wrote about it today. He said the Warriors are involved in those talks. So he, I kind of, I kind of thought that was more of a, uh, so you're not gung ho about it. Huh? I don't mind it. I mean, I just think, I, I think the thing is he's going to, here's the thing with the Warriors. They have the number two pick. They have the Wolves pick next year. They really only get one opportunity to move all that for someone. For sure. So if they mess it up, all they have beyond that is picks that are potentially going to be in the 20s, I guess. So it's like you kind of have to nail it. And it comes down to a lot of is this player good enough for all of that? And is this, or better put, is this player getting you where you want to go? 
Right. Drew Holiday so, achieved that? Probably not. So, no. although so here's what he does make you better. There's no way around that. Yeah, for sure. Him, him, Draymond, and Clay. Although I know Draymond's lost a step, kind of a little bit, and Clay is obviously coming back from injury. The three of them, in terms of perimeter defense, I mean, right. Pretty awesome, you know. They should they should be able to get though Drew Holiday and Jackson Hayes, and that's their starting five. Like then they're set, in my opinion. And well, that's true. If Jackson you're talking Hayes. about throwing in someone like that, where you're, you're getting a prospect Hayes. back, yeah, they are very high on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they would do that. So not- here's my here's my last trade uh, that I know people that are obsessed with it. Uh, I'm a huge trade guy. That's what I am. Uh, nice. But <laughs> uh, with that said. Andre Drummond, I know people that would do that. And the That's number enough. Five, that, and then the number <laughs> five pick, though, only moving back four spots. No. And you can still get somebody that really fit. I, I might be drinking the local Wiggins Kool-Aid too high then. Okay. Um, what I, about I think, Kevin Love? I think I would – Okay. I, well, that's a yes then. I mean, <laughs> even though I don't love his fit with the Warriors, he's just objectively a better player than everyone you're mentioning. So, Kevin Love would be, would be lethal. Love at number five? I mean, and I would yeah, just to love your, to, to hear another Wiggins love. To your, uh, to, your, to your Drummond point, you're talking about would I rather have Wiseman and Wiggins or Drummond and you still could Denny, of Dia, Denny of Dia, right? Yeah, that's that's fair. I think I take the first one. I okay. think, I mean, they're not both without risk, but I think I take the first one. I'm a big Denny guy, though. I, I like Denny. I do like him too. He's a good player. All right. So, Sam, uh, I want to spend the last segment of what we do talking a little bit about uh, James Harden, the Rockets, and the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> how do we get Harden to Golden State? How do we get Harden stuff together? I was. How do you get me to delete a thousand tweets? <laughs> <laughs> I was introduced to Sam. Uh, and I think your friend Andy Liu, not formally introduced, but I was made aware of your presence By because me. of extensive Rockets hate. Um, but we have since <laughs> grown to be, you know, friendly uh, right, right. on the Twitter sphere. So, and I, you know, tremendous respect for your takes. Um, so, Rockets Warriors, dude, I see you tweet about it. You see me tweet about it. It's one of those things that right. I have to actively refrain from responding to sometimes, or sometimes I'll be like, you know what? I vehemently disagree with this. I'm going to type something out. And then I delete it. I'm like, not worth it. Today. I do it all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But was that Rockets team the most truly don't, 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 don't sugarcoat and try to, you know, truly was that the team that most feared those warriors during the height of their run um, and, and, and the warriors and their fans. So I'm going to give you a, a few thoughts here. One I have a lot of love for Daryl Morey and the Rockets because I'm an A's fan and everything about the Rockets Warriors rivalry is like the inverse of the A's and Astros. So I understand both sides of it. And it's also like, you're talking about basically the two biggest innovators in terms of applying analytics. So like, I get it. It's, it's just fun to, to troll fans, quite frankly, is what it comes (laughs) down to. So, so part of it is trolling. Now, um, in terms of biggest, I don't know. I, I feel like Warrior fans are always going to, it's, it's always LeBron. I'm sorry. It, it is. It's, I, I don't think Warrior fans had the fear of the Rockets that they should have. That Here's what I will say. That's fair. I walked yeah. away from 18 feeling like the Rockets won in the sense of you guys got up three, two, and then Chris Paul went down. So it's like, it doesn't really matter that the Warriors won that series. They didn't prove that they were better 
Like, like I was, I was upset with the Warriors in the sense of they were up to one and they threw away two games and you could say the Rockets won them at the down the stretch, but anyway, you slice it, it was three, two. And then Chris Paul goes down. Um, I, I don't think, but I do know like the fan base genuinely did not feel like, like there was frustration that it was close as opposed to genuine respect. Whereas with the, the Cavs, it was a different level of there's a level of fear with them, I guess is the better way okay. I'd put it. So, and just to be clear, are you talking, when you talk about the Cavs, are you including the KD Warriors? Because yeah, yeah, I am. I am. Okay. I think smack, you got to smack them every time. No, no. I mean, like objectively, you're correct. Objectively, the, He's saying the, 18, the, the 18 Warriors, the 18 Rockets were the team who came closest to dethroning the KD Warriors. Like they, they put up the best fight. They had the right formula. They were, they were close. They were, they were, the, they were the best team. Um, I'm just saying my impression is I don't think they were respected that way. I don't. So I, think I, mean, I, don't, think, I don't think that's fair, but it is. No, I think me. from an outsider looking at it, I think it comes from the respect of LeBron James and the greatness of him versus the hate of the way the Rockets play. And I think they just hate the Rockets in general. And, well, I th- I, and I also think there's a, so this ties into my, the, the A's point I made earlier. The Rockets are the, the peak Rockets. The 18 Rockets were exceptionally efficient possession to possession, right? Like Alta. they're not physically dominant in the sense of like LeBron kind of has a presence yeah. in that, in that way. Yeah. It's a lot of the last 10 possessions. They had eight good possessions and we had six and like it adds up really quick in that capacity. Like Chris Paul is the master of just kind of winning the margins of games over and over again. James Harden is annoying in the same capacity. So it's kind of like a, the the impression I get from warrior fans is how are we not beating these guys as opposed to with someone like LeBron, it's a lot of, Oh man, he's really big. He's really strong. You know, like it's, it's just kind of the impression. So I have a take that's, that's always been in the extreme minority. Um, among oh, I love these. These are my favorite takes. I got one right after this. I, can't <laughs> I, ho- I hope it might be the same one. Uh, among NBA fans in general, but LeBron's 3-1 comeback, I think, is heavily inflated, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, I, oh, yeah. It's overrated. Uh, but a lot of people don't, don't see it that way. A lot of people don't understand how important Bogut going down was. Like everyone, everyone talks about Draymond getting suspended, yada, yada, yada. People don't understand how important how materially things switched when Andrew Boga went down. I think if Andrew Boga doesn't go down, that series ends uh, in six, personally. But, um, or I'm sorry. Like Ken, it's like Kendrick Perkins in Celtics-Lakers. It's, it's, it was huge that people just don't think about. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, we don't all have a multi-billion dollar, you know, sneaker conglomerate behind us pushing our propaganda. So, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so i mean i guess warriors fans have the fear from that but other than that you know i don't know lebron never really got to the warriors he didn't get no, a fair no. shake the first time because Kyrie and love were out and you know he had an amazing series so i can i can understand like the fear from that perspective but you know i guess i guess it's the 3-1 comeback because other than that you know lebron never like i said he never really got to the warriors and the only way he did was kind of with 
an extreme. Well, you got you got to throw the you got to throw the media factor into it too because anytime you play a LeBron team, it's like it's positioned as if you're playing some sort of combination of Jesus, Michael Jordan, and Joe Montana in this like one sentient being. Mm. Whereas, like, yeah, let's just put it, let's put it bluntly. When the Warriors played the Rockets, it was a lot of, oh, the Rockets are cute. That was like the, yeah. and like that codes it. Whereas like LeBron could literally have Delhi, you, me, and like the, you know, corpse of Kendrick Perkins out there. And people were like, but it's LeBron. He right. can beat you. You know, that sort of thing. And then, and at some point in a game, he's going to take over the game for an extended period of time. So I do think the media factor and just like, the, the self-fulfilling prophecy of it kind of leads to some of that because I don't think the Rockets ever got the respect that they deserved in terms of how good they were. And that kind of codes into Warrior fans always feeling like when the Rockets got over on them, like, and I'm not talking about winning a series, I'm talking about winning a couple of games and changing momentum. Warrior fans turned into or like, what is Steve Kerr doing wrong? As opposed to fear of James Harden. For sure. Right. And that makes sense. And I mean, it's the same thing we... And I always say this when it comes to um, LeBron, like you can analyze the series all you want, but at the end of the day, you just don't count LeBron out until it goes out. And that's, right, right, exactly. That's how I look at it. You know, everyone's talking, oh, the Lakers. Even even when I was making projections and picking the Rockets over the Lakers, I obviously wholeheartedly knew at the end of the day, like it really doesn't matter. It's going to be LeBron James, and if you slow him down, somehow you could win. But the chances of that happening are so slim with the media factor compounding it not even to mention Anthony Davis, that it's just like, you know, it's a monster to go against. It's really, it, it, it is daunting. It feels like, Oh God, now we have to slay this beast. And that's what it felt like taking the Warriors when they had KD, you know, right? Yeah. you know, I remember specifically it was two, one. I got off work, got to my friend's house, the game, put the game on, started out. Oh, I remember where I was for a lot of these games. Started 12. Oh, 20, I'm talking 2018 Rockets Warriors. 2-1 in Golden State because Houston had home court advantage. I think the Warriors went up 12-0, and I think P.J. Tucker had, like, some crash where it looked like he, you know, tweaked or strained like an MCL. Right. But, you know, for me, I had waited the whole year to see, all right, are the Rockets actually le- legit? Are these, is this 65-win team good enough? We're about to find out. Right. And that was the moment where I was like, damn, we're, we're frauds. They're going out sad. They're going to go down 3-1. Probably going to get their ass whooped in this game to go down 3-1. And it's all over. And then they didn't, and they came back and they won that game. And for me, that was where I realized, whoa, this team is good. But I agree. I felt like they never got the respect they deserved. Um, and I feel like people really gloss over the fact that Chris Paul went down. Not that they don't mention it, not that they don't discuss it. Uh, but, you know, if, we, if Chris Paul doesn't go down and Houston finishes that series, I really wholeheartedly believe that team goes down as one of the greatest in NBA history, primarily because they beat you guys. So, yeah, no, I do that. I do think they're the one of the top five greatest teams to ever win a title. I truly believe that. They might even be higher than that. I mean, might not be five in the top five. Yeah. Uh, in my in I my life at, in my lifetime, I throw them up there with the um, 2002 Sacramento Kings and um, 2004 Timberwolves. Uh, they're not on my list. Apologies. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, the uh, I was going to say the 07 Suns. My one chance. The 07 Suns throw, like the, the, the Robert Horry Ipchek Suns. Those are the teams that I think, uh, like, I mean, I love the like 01 Sixers, but they weren't that good. You know, right. that, was, that was more of a like Iverson was a cult icon type of thing. Right. You could probably throw in 
Um, I don't really speak on the eighties cause I, you know, I didn't. Right. 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 So that, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go teams. I watch. We're the same age. Right. So. Right. Right. Yeah. You, yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, I mean, and I also want to discuss, cause this is the, the as a rockets representative, the one thing that really pisses rockets fans off is that warriors fans rebuttal is that Andre Iguodala was hurt. And so Chris Paul's <laughs> injury is nullified by that. The rockets fans always say, Luka Ba Mute, Luka Ba Mute, because right. that's Luka Ba Mute played the Iguodala role for those Rockets. What, sure. what do you think of that? You know, I know you're a smart basketball fan, so like trolling aside. I do think Iguodala made a difference, but I think the fundamental difference in that series was, and I don't know if Warrior fans will, maybe they'll admit to it at some point, but the Warriors had more internal issues than they were willing to publicly admit. Like the Rockets were the more together team, period. Iggy helps some of that because he's the consummate, like glue the team together kind of guy. But like, I don't know, you watch the Warriors the year later and we're now a year plus beyond the KD era. Was it, do you really believe that they were, um, you know, like roses and like whatever you want to call it, like happy there? Like, I think the Rockets were good enough to notice or to take advantage of the fact that like, Katie was starting to look elsewhere and his mind was elsewhere. And there was a lot of that going on. So I think Warrior fans love to point out the fact that they were the better team because they were the better team. But a lot of that comes down to the fact that like in 16, 17, I think the Warriors are the best team I've ever seen. And they're always going to be chasing that high, which is, you know, oh, well, yeah, the Rockets wouldn't have won more than one game against the Warriors at their peak capacity. Well, we only saw the Warriors at their peak capacity one year, right? Because after that, KD kind of had issues, and then you have injury. Like, the, the, the secondary factor is, like, I mean, Steph, Draymond, those guys were not as healthy as they were in 16. So I think it all ties back to Warrior fans kind of idealizing what was the peak of their run, which was the 16-17 season. Do you like looking at things in a historical preference? Do you do rankings, all-time lists, and that not when whatnot? I mean, do you have a ranking for Steph Curry all the time? Sure, like first. Uh, no, <laughs> um, uh, I think he's the best player under six six to ever play in the NBA. So, and I say that in a very. Uh, I mean, just because every player I think yeah, better I, than I him, is, like it's like Kobe's better than him. Kobe was six six. Jordan's obviously better than six six. Every other player I would ever list is like LeBron. Right. Katie, so like, he's number thirteen all time for me. Something, like, something like that. that. Like you can't tell me like Jerry West was better than him. Is what I'm coming down. So to. you're implying with that statement, which is naturally where this discussion should go next. James Harden. You're implying it's, that he's do you have Steph? Would you have Steph ahead of KD all time? Because I got KD one spot ahead of him, but I can accept to have ranges on all these players. I, I think Steph's more important than him. I don't know if Steph's better than him all time. I think they're to- like it's a, it's there in pl- that's in play. That's in play in either direction. But KD's the better player, honestly. Like KD's. I mean, if if you if you want me to run through players I've seen in my lifetime, it's like Jordan, Shaq. LeBron, KD are probably the four best individual players I've ever seen. KD over Kobe? Yes. Really? Um, I, I, I mean, okay, let me put it this way. Actually, I, I say no. Hist- historic, yeah, no. Historic, no. no. Historic, no. Okay. If you're asking me, is Pete KD yeah, better down. than Pete Kobe? Yes. Based on what? Pete, but Pete Kobe, 
Pete Kobe was a premier. Kerry, Kerry. I mean, Pete Kobe was 2010, 2011 when he won those back-to-back titles. I mean, oh nine, oh ten. But yeah, um, uh, I think Pete KD is still better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Put put the Thunder KD with someone other than Westbrook, and they win a title. I'm sorry. Farouche, Steph or KD all the time. Like, considering everything, who would be higher on your list? I think Sam's take was right on it. I think Steph was more important right. symbolically. I agree with it. But I think KD is probably the better player. But I also think there's Steph's story is not finished yet. So No, it's, and neither is KD, by the way. Right, and KD's isn't either, you know. I think my biggest knock on KD is that we have not been in a position, or he has not been in a position, where we've had to see him carry a team the way that a Kobe did. The way that a James Harden does, the way that right. Ron does, KD's always needed a sidekick because he doesn't facilitate, he doesn't ball handle uh, the way that those guys do, and so they're naturally limited in that in that capacity. Curry has the ability to ball handle, but he's had the luxury of not having to in the way that a traditional guy like him would. Because but I but I disagree with that because for two reasons. One, when he won his first MVP, he was the primary ball handler. He averaged yeah. eight to nine assists a game. And then, and then it became clear that Draymond was a really good passer and not really good at anything else. So I feel like the offense was actually built more around Draymond than anyone there. Oh. Um, so I think, I, I, think, I think Steph's had to sacrifice more in terms of role because he doesn't... Um, like, I always run through this scenario. What happens if James Harden plays with Draymond Green? So that's funny. That leads me to my... Uh, Extremely hot take that I truly believe in to the core. I believe in this to the core. And Steph's my third favorite player all the time. I got his shoes, jersey. Like, he's my favorite player since Kevin Garnett. Sure. It's, so, take this however you want. I truly believe at its core, you switch James Harden and Steph Curry for their careers, James Harden has more than three titles. He has three at a minimum, if not more titles. I truly think you give him Steph's team's I think James Harden has done more with less than just about any player on earth besides LeBron James and Kevin Garnett. I mean, I'll let you go first. I was say, I'll agree with that, but obviously I'm biased. But let me also modify what I previously said. It's not that Steph doesn't have the ability to do it or that he couldn't. It's more so right. that we haven't seen him have to do it with a shitty team. We haven't seen KD have to do it with the shitty team. Last year was going to be the first chance, and he fucked it up right away. Oh, man, that's why why I was so pissed. I wanted to see – I really – and not even to slander him. I really wanted to see, like, because I believe he can do it. I just don't think – I just don't think they can – like, I think the numbers will definitely be there. I just don't think they'll win, or I think that the peak would be something like James Harden when he has a bad roster or, like, a you know, like, dude – Playing like with, Chris Paul is the best player he's ever played with, and he wasn't arguably he might have been a top twenty player, not a top fifteen guy, and he wasn't a whoa. great fit. He's no, he was no Clay Thompson. Like he's never had a great fit. Right, you guys are now game. overrating Clay. Now we're now. No, we're I, I, I do overrate Clay. I do. I think I love Clay's Clay. arguably I love Clay a top death, fifty but. guy of all time. Well, look, I think that it's it's not overrating Clay. It's just that that team is so he's the perfect fit. So perfectly built, right? That, like you said, Draymond unlocks things. So, and, and covers all Steph's I think it, I think well. you guys don't give Steph enough credit for that because I'll, I'll put it this way James Harden has run Dwight Howard out of town. He did not get along with Chris Paul. These are objectively things that happen. So, do you think it would be better with Draymond Green? Like, be real. Like, but these at are, the same time, he resurrected those guys as well. And he gave them their best. He career resurrected ever, Chris Paul. To, 
Kind of. I mean, he he did give Chris Paul. He gave him more. His legs lasted longer than they have. He's. Um, I mean, yeah, this I mean, is an undi- an undeniable thing about James Harden. We even correct. I like right Chris here, Paul historically is, better he's, than James Harden. He's like one of the. I mean, he's. This is going to be a crude analogy, but like Derrick Henry in football, like there are not that many people who can carry that load. Period. That was a one. I mean, that's a one hit wonder where James has been doing it for a run. This is. One I mean, of the we're, we're on your th- we're on your three of Derrick Henry right now. <laughs> but yeah, but, um, but like my point stands. Like in the NFL, he's literally the only guy. Do- he's the only guy doing it. Is my point. So James Harden does have a unique, I mean, he's, he's very durable and he's a workhorse and like there's very underrated defensively too. I mean, how many guys in the NBA can carry a 35% usage every night efficiently? So that is a, that is a, that's a the positive. problem. He's never had the Steve Kerr too, to tell him. Well, that, okay, we'll this. say, we'll say it this way. This. You, your guy, your guy, uh, Steven Silas talked about diversifying the offense today. Yes. And I, I know that's what you wanted to hear. Yes. So I'm curious to see it. I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to see if Harden has it in him to sacrifice and the ways that that matters, because I'm just gonna tell you right now, like I, I, the minute KD went down, Steph averaged 35 points a game in the playoffs in the playoffs on 60% true shooting. That matters. He can do that. He's continually sacrificed his role to make other players better. And part of that is Draymond's inability to do anything but pass the ball. Part of that is Clay, you know, like, and, and you can say these are first world problems, but they, these are real things that, that happen. So I want to see if James Harden is comfortable giving up the ball and not touching it and running around off screens for hours, because that's the type of thing that Steph's willing to do that I do not believe James Harden's willing to do. And that's also, where, that's where guys, I think the difference is. I, I agree with all of that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to discredit Steph. I think that Steph has a claim to being a better player than Harden based on his sure. and based on what he's done. But I have, I also, it's a mixed bag with Harden because like on one hand, everything you're saying is right. You have to, you have to play around Harden. Whereas Harden really, if, it, if he was playing in his best interest, he would diversify. He would have diversified. He'd make uh, it easier on himself. He would, 100%. There's no reason not to. It's simple basketball. And he, he also wouldn't do things like stand at half court after a double team. Like, I see right. a lot of Rockets fans. I think that's where the fit of his teammates come in. He's never had those guys to Hold rely on. on. Hold on. You can double team. And Steph Curry would get double team. Not like Harden. I'm not saying he got double team like Harden. I don't think <laughs> anyone get double team like Harden. But in the moment when Steph does get doubled, what's so annoying and lethal about him, um, and as much as I am traumatized by the Warriors, I love Steph's game because any guy who's not a big, tall guy, you know, I'm 5'11". Right. You've, you've had to learn the importance of how to shoot the basketball in order to be like a competent basketball player. Right. So I like what he's done at the NBA level is insanely elite. But um, I guess the trade-off is with him, like what's so annoying about him, man, is he can disappear and come back and move and he creates extra space for other people mm-hmm. by moving. Whereas Harden, you know, yes, the Westbrook double teams are infuriating. And the fact that that's even an issue is infuriating. But he could give up the ball and then run. What he chooses to do is give up the ball and, like, you know, do, like, a little lazy kind of window English pass and then kind of stand there. He doesn't, like, dish and go. And And let's let's just be blunt on this. Before KD went there, the Warriors had no shooting around Steph other than Clay. So when you talk about Draymond... 
when you talk about Westbrook being infuriating, Draymond's equally as infuriating, and he's not nearly as lethal attacking the rim. So that's that's the only point I get to. It's not like, but like he's, high ta- he's high IQ. He is high IQ. James but Harden, like James but the second greatest shooter of all time, really. Harden, yeah, and and you know the comp, the overcompensation is that yeah you didn't have shooters. I think Harrison Barnes was decent at least from the corner where he needed to be. But sure, Clay Thompson, Kalina Isabuki, are you shitting me? You no, know, if you <laughs> if you give a guy like he's on the broadcast these days, Anthony Tolliver in his early prime. If you give a guy like shout James out Martin, Brandon Rush. Clay Thompson, you know, maybe things are different, but the point is, um, I guess I'll right, ask no, Why are we talking about Kalina? Raja, Raja Bell, goddammit! I think he's going through a 2009 Warriors team right now. Nailed it. Jeez. But, but look, the, the point is, okay, they play different styles. I mean, I would, like, I'm not going to act like that 15-16 roster was poverty. My, my point was James, James Harden hasn't had high IQ basketball players. And the one time he has high IQ. And that's true. That's true. Elite skill, you know, we saw the product. I think that's what's so special too about Steph and the Warriors in general, that they are high IQ and their star players are high. I'm willing to, I'm willing to give you this. James Harden raises the floor of a team higher than Steph. Like you can put James Harden with, if you, okay. If you put James Harden on the Hornets, it's probably going to produce more wins than if you put Steph on the Hornets. Okay. I can live but, but I do think Steph is more likely to raise the ceiling of a team and play with other players better. Like, I don't, I don't actually buy that James Harden would get more than three rings. I think he'd get less, honestly. I don't think this 15 Warriors win with Harden at point guard. I, d- I certainly don't think the 16 Warriors do. Uh, with KD, I, I don't know. It's debatable. He's just never had that guy where he's allowed to play off ball or he's never had the coach to tell him. Chris Paul and, G- Chris, and Russell Paul Westbrook are Chris literally. Paul Chris Paul is in isolation. Every other, you go, I go. It was essentially LeBron and D. Wade were the fit. It's, it, you're talking about the two guys who are going to lead this era in assists and you're saying he can't play off ball like at some point you have to acknowledge he he doesn't want to play off ball i i that's a part of it i think it's definitely a part of it but he's never had the personnel around of him to like they they, they certainly don't have like a a big man who can make the second pass that's that's like an objective fact no drama no clint capella is not making passes bogey can make Right, right. Andre Iguodala, playmakers that he's had. If we run through them, um, it's it's a it's it's a combination of factors, right? He became the player he became by necessity, and also because of Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni kind of like molded his lab rat that became what James Harden's ISO game was, and he had to do it by necessity because um, you know they went through like like that team that played the Warriors in the fifteen Western Conference Finals was not a good basketball team. If you look at the talent, uh, the, the Terrence Jones slander, Terrence, you know, <laughs> it's really, you know, right. and, and to your point, the only front court basketball player playmaker that he's had was on that team. And it was Josh Smith. Who's like, if we're talking high IQ on the basketball court, not what you want. Although he, he graciously canned the Warriors, which was amazing. I mean, the Clippers, which was amazing, but even he is a big ISO guy. Right. And, I mean, he's, he's just not a high IQ basketball player. So you go after that with the down year, Dwight leaves. No one has any expectations for the team. His second best player is Eric Gordon. And he becomes this player he has to become. He, but he also doesn't change. So both of you are right, you know? And the only, the only elite playmaker he had next to him was Chris Paul. And I argue that we saw what happened. He freaking, they almost won the championship. They didn't, but they almost did. And then the second year, I think we can all agree. And Sam, you've got to look at it up close. Chris Paul just wasn't 
Chris Paul, whether he was playing hurt or never got back to form in that second year, they didn't can the Warriors when KD went down because Chris Paul and other reasons, but you know, Chris Paul didn't step up until game six. Well, I feel like that one was more about like uh, interpersonal stuff. Like they had the same issues that the Warriors in 18 did where you're like, you know, this group of players can play better, but like for whatever reason, they're not as bought in, bought in. Sorry. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, so he had those two years of Chris Paul and that's really like, that's it in his prime, everything else he was forced to kind of do it all. It's kind of like we had to make a life analogy, you know, someone who's had to earn their way from the ground up just has like a different attitude towards things than someone who might've had like a slight boost up, which, you know, we could argue Steph, Steph would be that, but, and then I think we can hope, I hope we can all agree that Russell Westbrook in 2020 is not the answer. Yes. <laughs> would you agree to this though? Like I know Roosh knows this as a fact, but like MDA has always been a, just a champion. He's never been a guy of structure and telling you to do things and this, how to change things and make adjustments on the fly. No, he's, he's, he's a quintessential bridesmaid. He's, he's go. amazing get at getting a team <laughs> to be better than they are and not like giving them discipline to get over the exactly. top. Exactly. Where Steve, well, where Steve Kerr knows discipline and knows how to make changes and adjustments and tell you that when you can and can't do certain things and try to give you a little nudge that a guy like James Harden's always needed to get to that next level. It's like in the mighty ducks, dude, like mighty ducks too. the, oh, the, here we go. the Iceland coach had those boys looking like they were grim coming out the lab, you know, but they didn't have like yeah. anything else to them. Like Harden's that dude. You like if Dan Tony could build someone in the lab, he's going to build James Harden. That's what he got, but he didn't know how to do anything else tactically. I'm honestly surprised that his lack of, of X's and O's specifically on the defensive end of the basketball floor uh, has not prevented him from, you know, being an NBA coach. Like he's not a bad coach, but he can't do anything without a star player. So I'm it just shows uh, Bob Myers is light years ahead of Daryl Moore. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what, we'll see what Bob's up to. I, I mean, that's the, how do you feel about, how do you feel about Moore in Philly? Ooh, uh, mixed feelings. On one hand, I feel sad. It's hard not to feel sad, right? Like, he, right. He, I mean, he's so it's, he is the Rockets, you know, yeah. the Rockets. And he took them from being like mediocre, you know, mediocrity to never having a losing season. And, you know, we can talk about the merits of how he did it and all that, but it's just sad. Um, it's backbreaking after everything else that's happened because D'Antoni leaves with rumors, you know, about him and Fertitta and then Maury leaves obviously because he doesn't see a future with, you know, a, a successful contending future with this current situation. Right. So we're just an indictment of the, the situation of the team. Um, I think they'll be okay in the long run. Like the positives are, you know, as much as I love Maury, I can admit he's dorky on, on Instagram and social media. And as much as I, you know, as much as I don't know, I would just rather have a GM that's just silent and like not in the mix, you know, just kind of operates behind closed doors. You don't hear from him, that kind of thing. Um, and I do think that, you know, he had a rap for, he just didn't have the best rep among players. You know, you kind of feel like you go to Houston, you might get used in a deal and traded or you go to Houston, you know, sure. and you don't get put in the corner. You don't play the way they want to play. They might not, you know, care for you after that or whatever. I think the mellow stuff exemplifies that, even though I don't think the substance right. is correct at all, but I just think that kind of embodies the idea people have. So Maury leaving, it's like a, it's like a rebrand and a fresh start, which I think is necessary. Um, but right. I guess the final thought is that I'm just scared that it, it kind of sig- symbolizes that James Harden. Like Moore is objectively very good at his job. So anytime you move on from someone who's good at your job, you're like, you're hoping 
you get someone better, but you could not, could right. go the other way. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and I just think that him leaving symbolizes Harden eventually leaving maybe soon. So that's the sad part about it. Um, and I guess the, the last thing I'll say is that it, it drives home the fact that it's now Tillman for Tid's team completely. And that's not encouraging to me or many Rockets fans. So, <laughs> but on that note, Sam, we appreciate your time. Had a lot of fun talking about it. Glad we got to face to face talk Rockets work. Yeah. Had that bottled up forever. Um, we're going to have to do it again mid season if they're both uh, where they should be. <laughs> would love to. And, um, and you know, for any Warriors fans that may tune in, just know we like, we like the Warriors and respect their game. They're just so goddamn good. It's, it's just tough. It, it, <laughs> so. I appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. We could do it again. I'll get you guys on mine too. Appreciate it, Sam. Take care, man. Take care, Sam. Thank you.